Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Tennis Bets Live. Very excited to do our first show of the clay court season. Talking uh, men's and women's tennis over in Europe. And joined by a couple of really smart guys, much smarter than myself when it comes to the gambling, talking tennis space. Zach Cohen, Tennis.com writer. You also do some stuff for VEASAN. How are you doing, Zach? Doing well. Hoping uh, for Zverev to beat Medvedev right now. Zach had a little pre-bet action on Zverev. I jumped on Medvedev uh, live bet after he dropped the first set. They are in action on Tennis Channel right now. Quick plug. Uh, joining us from New York, not on a golf course this week, uh, but back in his home uh, confines there. Kenny Ducey, how are you doing, sir? I'm great. I'm actually on the other side there. I took Medvedev pre-match at, I think, minus 140, got steamed. And as we all know, when a player gets steamed, to get ready for them to lose. So uh, the CLV going right in the trash. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good. Uh, guys, we were going to have our boy Brett Connors join us, but he had, got called away by some important uh, family business. The Connors family business, as we know, is uh, they got a lot going on there. Uh, so I dug through the Rolodex and found somebody who hopefully can talk a little uh, tennis with us. He goes by the name Alexander Gruskin. There he oh, is, boys. No. Oh. Hello, friends. It's great to be back. I'm glad to see, Kenny, you found another chimney to broadcast from today. It's always great to hear from you. And yeah, let's talk clay. It's a fun changing of the calendar here. Yeah, well, that's how they make this brick. And uh, you might as well call me Santa Claus. I'm always in the, always... And by the way, uh, you didn't, you're wearing blue. You missed, it. you missed the memo. We're all wearing black T-shirts. Except yeah, for no, that's because I've seen your bets recently without me. It's been a funeral at this sort of show. <laughs> you guys are properly dressed. And yeah, I mean, shout out to the armed forces. Shout out to Air Force, who provided the shirt today. Follow college tennis everywhere. It's worthwhile. You get gear out of it. But it's great to be back. Again, it's always great to get the chance to chat with you guys. In the Great mansion, too. What's that, Zach? He's in the mansion again, also. <laughs> oh, yeah. At some point, you got to get back there and tickle those ivories for him. No, right? I'm literally, I'm a cat away. Like, that's all I need. <laughs> Just, like, something to pet here, and then I'm good to go. All right. So, uh, as we mentioned, this is the first week, really, of European clay. I guess the clay court season officially started last week with the women in Charleston, although that is green clay. And I'm told that there is quite a difference between the American green clay and the European red. Uh, so we're in full swing, though. And the men really got going this week. ATP Monte Carlo. Uh, early thoughts from what you've seen so far, Zach, from the ATP there uh, in Monte Carlo. Yeah, I thought this has been a pretty random event so far. We've seen a lot of clay court players that we're used to see, you know, doing really well lose early like an Albert Ramos Manolas, you know, one of our favorites. And then uh Davidovich Fokina got blown off the court by Karen Kachanov. Like I just think that it's been a little bit random and I've you know I, I didn't do too well in this tournament. So I'm kind of not gonna take it too hard. And I'm gonna kind of go back to my process heading into you know Barcelona and Madrid. 
what uh what strategies do you look at kenny um what what do you have to do to alter your just your your gambling strategies and the way you look at these matches uh when everybody just gets going on the european clay so I think Daniel Medvedev said it the best, which was, I think, years ago when he was like, I wonder what it's like to have nothing inside your brain. I wonder what it's like to live life with no brain. That's almost how I feel like you have to operate with clay court season because a lot of times you can overthink everything. And yeah, you know, play style matchups are very fun to look at. And that takes, uh, I take that into great account with hard courts. But I think there's this unpredictability to clay courts. And also one of the things Really, the, the, uh, I guess on a micro scale, right, there's unpredictability with the bounces and there's a lot of breaks. But on a macro scale, every single year, there is one player who everyone, the, the consensus is this guy can't play on clay. He's terrible on clay. And then at really, I mean, clay and grass court season, because shout out to Tommy Paul, very uh, shameless USA plug there. But if you remember, Cam Norrie couldn't play on clay. And then Cam Norrie yeah. turned into clay court Cam. He turned into an unbelievable clay court player. Dan Evans couldn't play on clay, beat Novak Djokovic here. So, yep. you know, Medvedev as well. Daniil Medvedev, who's currently in action, a guy that was a popular fade on clay until all of a sudden he just started winning on clay again. Uh, I just think you have to be ready for stuff like that. And you have to be really quick-witted when it comes to, you know, changing your mind on certain players. So I think that we see that a lot. And a guy this year, and, and I'll let you speak after I just say, Taylor Fritz. On, Maybe Taylor Fritz is the guy who's, who, who figures out how to play on clay this year. I think he's got all the weapons. No, I've, I've right. implemented the hand-raising system. That way, you guys know I'm not going to interrupt as much. Um, I've, I've matured with age here in my whole setup. Well, I haven't, so I, I'm looking, to, <laughs> looking forward to getting to that level of maturity. Yeah, where I disagree with you, Kenny, is it's not about who can't play on clay. I, because I agree with you in the perspective that, to some extent, you can throw some sample sizes out. Because, again, you just don't have the expansive clay court schedule that you do as it relates in particular to the hard courts. Grass is a flash in the pan. That's always, you know, best of luck to you. I think the perspective you take as it relates to clay is what guys have proven they can play on clay. It's the other side of things. So, you know, Zico mentioned a guy in Albert Ramos, who I know got off to a slow start here this week, but he's a guy you feel like in round of 64s, round of 32s, early in clay court events, maybe that's a guy you back early. Similarly, if you followed the South American clay courts uh, swing in February, you saw Nicolas Yari win a title and make a couple of semifinals. That's why to see him make the round of 16 and push Tsitsipas pretty close here in Monte Carlo, I don't think that was a surprise to those who follow clay court results and there are a lot of challenger guys. You think of a Tomas Martin Echeverry who has had a ton of challenger success. He just made the final in Houston. You have a guy like Francisco Sarundolo, known most for his Miami success. But how did he get to the top 100? It's because he won four clay court challengers in a two-month stretch. That chunk of points is what propelled him forward. That's what I look to. When I go to Tennis Abstract, I'm filtering out specific results. And I'm saying, hey, if you've played over 70% of your career on clay, that's telling me something. And so I guess, Kenny, it's it's not that you're wrong. I just think it's the other perspective. I'm looking for who's shown me they already do have it on the dirt. I guess, yeah, I guess that's also a fair way to look at it. And I, I think it's more about, you know, sometimes throwing out conventional wisdom. I mean, we, we've seen several results already this week, which I think lend itself to that, which, you know, even Sasha Bublik taking a set off of Alexander Zverev as a, as a big favorite, right? Like, I don't know, I, I, I agree with you that 
I do look to the guys that know how to play on this surface a lot because one of the things I also wanted to bring up was like, you know, it just takes a lot of uh, lower body strength. Everyone knows that. But you do need a certain level of power because at the end of these clay court game matches, uh, it's really just about who has more in the tank. And I feel like you can't, especially when you're trying to bet live, it's almost hard to read into how a player is reacting on the court because you'll just hear guys grunt loudly and they seem like they're going through it. But that's how everyone plays. And so you can't let that impact your decision making. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of variables we could get into. But, but I, kind of I, like yeah, a war I, of attrition. I, you, I heard you say, you know, at the end of these long matches, it's 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 the guy who's in better shape a lot of times. And that's why you brought up Cam Nori earlier. Now that he's, by all accounts, one of the fittest guys mm-hmm. on tour, I think it was – I don't remember when he wasn't excellent on, on clay. It just makes sense that somebody like that would have good results. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I also think, like, you think about one of the, the great clay court matches that we've seen over the last few years, right? Like, think about uh, the Roland Garros semifinal between Nadal and Djokovic. Was that a high level of tennis in the fourth or fifth set? I mean, yes, it was. But at the end of the day, it was just two guys that were just dead tired. Just like, who has more in them to get through this match? And I just think that's a lot of times what it turns into. That's why it's fun to watch clay court tennis and not fun to bet it. Um, but, you know, also one thing maybe we could talk about, which I want to bring up, too, is the returning aspect of it is so key. Obviously, you can't get the free points off the serve as much on clay, but, like, uh, there's so many breaks. And so a guy like, you know, Yannick Sinner, who I don't love on clay, but his return of serve, really that's been the biggest thing that stood out to me over his, about his game over the last few months and really over the last year. His return is unbelievable. Um, and so that's why Novak Djokovic, even though he doesn't really have the play style that you would think would fit on clay – He's so yeah. good on clay because he can get points started in his favor so quickly. So I think that's maybe somewhere where Yannick Sinner, a guy that can just obviously blast guys off the court, and I think that's somewhere he can find his way on clay because really we've waited for that big clay uh, you know, title or just run, and we haven't seen it yet from Sinner. Let me jump in here real quick, Zach, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, you brought up Djokovic, and you brought up the returning, Ducey. This stat boggled me today. I only caught the tail end of this match, but, you know, they played a three-hour match today, Musetti and Djokovic. Musetti gets the big win against Joker there in Monte Carlo. Um, they played 32 games. There were 15 breaks to serve. That's, that's shocking. What, like, is that Novak not serving up to par, not hold? I mean, but just that's, that yes. just seems out, outlandish to me. Yeah, I jumped on Musetti's over seven and a half total games won in that match, and I took him plus five and a half games because I don't know. I was a little bit nervous about Djokovic when I saw that elbow sleeve, and I think that we watched him play, and, like, the velocity was down on all of his shots. He was missing overheads. Like, he just did not look like himself. I think that really was the result of it, and I think maybe Musetti getting broken was kind of went to plan. That's that's Djokovic being Djokovic, but I do think that Djokovic was impacted by that elbow, and I am nervous about it. Yeah, I I think when you talk about that return percentage and how critical the return game is on clay courts, just look at the numbers. You look at Tennis Abstract last season on hard courts, the average break percentage amongst top 50 players around 22%. You translate over to clay courts, it's 28%. I mean, you just don't see 6% jumps in averages in tennis. Like It's just a different ball game, and that's why you see guys like a Ramos Vinolas, like a Sebastian Baez, who immediately has to come to the top of the list as one of the top 20 clay court guys statistically, eye test-wise. He's shown that. You talk about power on clay courts. I think you brought it up early, Kenny, and I thought it was an interesting through line that I think applies to both the men and the women. 
it's not about downright power. It's not about flat power in the way at hard courts you can just overwhelm someone with the force of your ball. You have to hit a dynamic ball on a clay court. That's why you look at a Daniil Medvedev backhand. It's going to sit up a little bit more, provide a little bit more time for opponents to, you know, again, reset things, to get a clean look at a forehand in a way you're just in a, unable to on a hard court. Similarly, the return of or the, the serve in general, how well do you hit to the corners? I don't know why the hand motion was necessary there, but how well do you hit to hmm. your corners? Because it's all about opening lanes of attack making clear-cut space on clay court. The hardest thing to do on a clay court is change direction. And if you can create clear-cut patterns, clear-cut lanes for yourself to attack, this is why Rafael Nadal is the most effective clay court player in history because he executes his game plan, forehand cross, forehand cross, forehand line, with better efficiency than any player in ATP Tour history. It's about, again, the dyna- how dynamic is your ball, Are you creating lanes of attack? And if you're doing that consistently, then you get to be the ultimate thing. And I apologize, rant over here, but then you get to be unpredictable, which is the most difficult thing to respond to on clay courts. It's why Nadal is who he is. It's why the Alcaraz drop shot, you're like, he's got at least six French Open titles Mm. in his future. It's why Iga's forehand and her ability to hit through the court on the backhand wing separates her from every other player in the women's game. How dynamic is the ball that you hit? That's what I look for more than anything else. You guys know what Daniil Medvedev's career ATP record is on clay? Yes, because I looked this up for a podcast I did like three days ago. It's fascinating, but look at the most recent sample size because he's doing well recently. That's why I can't, he's still under 500. He's 19 and 23, and that's despite winning like eight of his last 10. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was actually going to guess that he was above 500 at this point because I mean, look, there, there, there have been wins like in his career back in the day, like 2019. Didn't he go to the semis here, Monte Carlo? Uh, and also across all levels, he's 68 and 41. So that's counting ITFs challengers exhibitions but like the guy clearly has played enough on clay that like there's some sort of base there early in his career 2014 and 2016 was playing a lot um like it perhaps as as griskin's saying with the sample size perhaps we were saying med can't play on clay because he wasn't the number one player in the world on clay maybe that was just a blip or or a small sample maybe he's figured out a way to be a little more effective on clay and get a little more aggressive because as we know what he used to say is he used to be super aggressive when he came up uh, it through the through the ranks, right? And then he sort of tailored his game more to figure out a better way to win, to be more strategic. And so perhaps he's sort of reverting back to who he used to be, maybe going for some bigger shots. I saw him, I mean, by the way, we're talking about breaks of serve. There's been four breaks of serves in four games since he's been on air. I just wanted to say that. But earlier in this match against Alexander Zverev, definitely going for more winners. Now, not, not able to necessarily get all of them because he's on clay, but you can see there's a different style of play there, and he has played that way before, so it's not unfathomable that he can figure out how to play on clay. Two things off of that, and I want to talk about Zverev because I actually think he's a guy we have to discuss, and I saw your tweet about the French Open match, Kenny, last year against Ralph. I want to get to that in a second, but just to finish the thread on Medvedev, my hot take is that I think Medvedev's in for a huge clay court season. And in particular, though, I think Medvedev will always be better at the French Open that, than he is at any of those other two out of three set events. And the reason I emphasize that is it goes full circle here. Physicality. Daniil Medvedev's got it. He's got it in spades. If he can get you to a fourth set on clay, he's going to be fit. You're not. The other part is, yes, the backhand 
it's a little flat, but he's going to make it consistently out of his corners. The key is his forehand. He hits it bigger now. And you give him a little more time to throw out his right shoulder as that arm goes flopping behind his head. That ball's a little more dynamic than it used to be. And I'm fascinated to see him compete in these warm-up events because he has no points to defend as he was injured last season. It's all, you know, low-hanging fruit for him these next few months. But he's made second week of the French Open in back-to-back French Opens that he's played. I expect that trend to continue as well, Kenny. I just, there's a physicality, a, a willingness to compete which you just got to have. If you're not in mentally on that day, Clay is going to eat you alive. And Daniil Medvedev never gets eaten alive med- uh, mentally. No, I, I agree. The, the bad news for you, I actually really agree with that take, and that's why I took Medvedev today. I think he's going to play well on, on Clay this season. And, like, again, I still don't think the market is necessarily adjusted for that. But he did, I believe, have nine unforced off the forehand in the first hit. His forehand looked terrible. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if he's <laughs> yeah. just not – he wasn't getting he wasn't getting enough behind it, but um, yeah, I mean it wasn't like he was he was missing wildly. He was just missing short into the net. So I I mean perhaps a correctable mistake, but I agree with you that that is certainly an interesting weapon that he possesses that could really take him to the next level on clay. But your boy Alexander Zverev, I agree with as well, is, is a is a good guy to look at. And I, I sort of look at Taylor Fritz in the same vein where it's like same sort of same sort of skill set. Uh, you know, not not amazing at the net. He has to develop some feel, but like. He can create angles that uh, that are definitely deadly on the surface. Let's yeah, talk Alexander's very. I was going to say, uh, Zico, why'd you pick yeah. Zverev today? Yeah, get in there, Zico. Yeah, I mean, I just think that Zverev is like one of the best clay court players in the world. I picked him at plus 1,700 to win the French Open last week for Tennis.com. I think that he looks really good. I know that the wins like aren't there yet. I think that's kind of a confidence thing, and maybe he gets it today and kind of like breaks through a little bit there, but – the movement's been unbelievable, in my opinion. I don't think that the ankle looks like it's a problem in any capacity. And he's won three Masters 1000 clay court titles. So I just don't think there are many players better than him on this surface. And, yeah, I'm just interested in seeing how he does. I do think, like, I saw Kenny's tweet as well. Seems like we're all really high on him heading into the French Open. Yeah, where I would push back, I actually think the scariest part watching him in Monte Carlo and watching the RBA match, and I got to watch all that first set he took 6-3 against Medvedev, it's not the movement. Like, I actually still think he's half a step slow. And I do think he's getting to the ball now, but he has to slide to get to that ball <laughs> in, versus last year when the case for him beating Rafa in that Roland Garros semifinal, which I know Kenny feels, Zico and I, you get a couple drinks in us, we'd probably say that as well. The whole case for it comes down to that match was going seven hours and Alex Virov at the 2022 French Open was in as good of shape as I have ever seen anyone not named Rafa or Djokovic in preparation for a French Open. And the question is, can he get back to that? Because we saw it at Indian Wells. I think we've seen it here this week. Slower, high bouncing surface. You're giving him time. And his ability to hit the tennis ball has returned. And boy, in that first set, was he hitting his backhand beautifully. And you just think if the movement, if he can get that half step back, and that's the key. It's a half step, not a full step anymore. If he can get that half step back, get the serve firing, a couple confident wins like one today against Medvedev. I think I saw him at 14 to 1 to win the French Open today, Kenny. I think Djokovic is at like one. Was seventeen to one at one point. Yeah, and, uh, so yeah, it, I, I love it. I do. I love that so much. And the the one thing that's been impressive to me 
is one thing we talk about with Alexander Zverev, and you can talk about it with just about anybody. Uh, I don't know what the laugh was. It might have been the air horn across the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are laughing it's not, that it's not it was our fan I promise you. It happens all day. Yeah. I leave the house to do my work every day. It's ridiculous. Uh, but <laughs> what I will say is, what like on the men's tour, right, everyone has a, a huge serve, and a, a lot of times the differentiator is, I mean, obviously there, there are the elites, right, and Alexander Zverev is among the elites, but one of the things that really makes him elite is that he lands a lot of his first serves. I think that's always the differentiator. Um, but one thing that was impressive to me was in that first set against Daniel Medvedev, he's, he was only at 52%. He was at 57% for the Bublik match, which he managed to win in three. Like, that is sort of telling me a lot because I know, especially early in the comeback, like, he was having some decent results, but it was really just because he was serving, like, 80%. Like, it was ridiculous how many first serves he was landing. Now he's figuring out ways to win points, to win sets, uh, to maybe win a match against Daniel Medvedev here uh, without his first serve. And I think that's always the big thing for me is, like, um, you know, if, if he can find out – like that, that's really where he is a complete player. And so if you can – if he can start to troubleshoot and figure out how he's going to win these matches – uh, without that first serve, which he figured out how to do successfully to a lot of success earlier in his career before the injury, then I think I feel pretty good about him. And I, I agree with you. Like, I also just don't think, you know, who knows really with Djokovic. I mean, eventually Djokovic is going to stop playing well, right? Rafa, I mean, w- at this point, because he's missed so much time, he's, he's dealt with documented injuries. Like, I, Carlos didn't look that good at the French Open last year. Uh, and Kasparud, I mean, uh, where's Kasparud? Does anyone see Kasparud anywhere? Kasparud's going to be, like, outside of top 50 at this point. Uh, but, no, all kidding aside, like, it's wide open. So uh, there's really no good reason why Zverev can't win this thing. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Yeah, I just... I mean, again, it comes down to the physicality because six foot six, there were in 20, again, there are five minutes at his best where Alex Zverev looks like he might be the best tennis player ever created, that he was built in a lab. And to deal with the depth of his backhand on clay courts, just that ball is skidding low. It's at your feet. There's nothing you can do with it. It's a neutralizer. And he does have the first serve to win some free points. He was, again, why could he have hung with Rafa? Because he has the two things you need. A first serve to win free points with and the backhand that can handle the heavy high topspin of Rafa's forehand. He's like, he truly is, and this word gets overused, he is truly uniquely suited to face Rafa. Now, the Carlos Alcaraz, I need to see more on clay take. That's terrible. That's some of your worst work. I'm just saying, who knows? Yeah. I'm trying to make it I'm no, trying to build I, suspense for the French Open. I, it's not about Alcaraz being bad, though. Again, it's glass half full. It's that Zverev could be that good. Like, I agree with you. It's like, because Carlito well, Zverev beat him at the French Open last year. Exactly. That's and the that's the point. case. It's like, he could be that good. I get, we agree. We just got there in different ways. I agree with you. I'm just saying, I, like... Uh, I, I hit Mike key. for putting that graphic, by the way. I just had to point <laughs> yeah. it out. They Carlos Alcaraz is very good on play. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. I know that. I, I think the two big elephants in the room, if that's the right way to call it, for yeah. men's tennis this, this season, this April of 2023, is Rafael Nadal and Carlos Alcaraz. 100%. And how healthy are they going to be when they do make their returns to court? I believe last I saw, we're expecting to see both of them in Madrid. Makes sense. 
the Spanish capital should have the two best Spanish players in the world. Um, I mean, I, I've done this before on shows where we look at Rafa after a long layoff and what does he usually do? He usually shows up and he usually squashes his first opponent by eight plus games. I normally just auto bet that kind of thing, whatever his games are minus, but I'm going to be a little more wary because we just haven't seen it this year. He just, I, Rafa looks like old Rafa every time I've seen him on the court in 2023. I don't know if fatherhood is, is, is wearing him down a little bit. That being yeah. said, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all to see Rafa jump on those, jump on the red clay in Madrid and die and, and win the event. So, um, I mean, you can't hold anything. You, you can't expect anything less from the 14 time Roland Garros champion. But what, what are you guys thoughts just on maybe those two players? Um, what you want to see, what you may or may not see um, and, and anything else big to major storylines. With Rafa, I do like that. Like, you know, the injuries suck. The Australian open was <laughs> ugly, but he did get off of hard courts and onto clay courts. And he was trained. He's been training on them for like months now. So if he is healthy in any capacity, like I do see him, just kind of coming in, jumping in, and, yeah, beating up on some people. I just need to see it, though, because last year he had the runway, right, of I think he played Barcelona. He certainly played one of the 1,000-level events before playing the French Open. You know, he's also a year older, which I know, wow, spoiler alert, that's a revelation. He's a year older than he was a year ago. But it's a little harder to recover than it once was for Rafa. And there are enough guys now. The biggest difference is, this isn't 2019 where physically he's on a different planet than everyone else. Need to see Alcaraz healthy. If he is healthy in a single match, he can match Rafa's physicality. Djokovic obviously can match Rafa's physicality. I think if healthy guys like Zverev, Tsitsipas, Esterol champion Kasparud, who has looked doo-doo of late, like those guys can match him in a single match now. And the thing is, it's not going to be a single match for Rafa. He'll have to win seven of them at yeah. Roland Garros. I'll give him the first three, but the second week's going to be a lot harder. And I need to see him in a Barcelona or something type setting first before I feel certain. All right, Greskin, yeah. cutting you there. Deucey, you get last thoughts on this. And I'm going to, then we want to get to um, any best bets we have and thoughts on matches tomorrow. I'm going to pull up the uh, Monte Carlo quarters. But go ahead, Kenny. What are your thoughts on Rafa? Yeah, famous last words. Uh, just to back up what Grusky was talking about, uh, last year was a little different for Rafa as well because you mentioned the runway. and Yes, he, he had to obviously take the break between Indian Wells and Madrid, but this guy played a – I mean, he was undefeated to start the season. He played an incredible uh, winter or, I guess, beginning of the season. So he was really already in match form, like he kind of – you know, match speed, right, like had played a lot and just two – you know, really a month off isn't going to do much. This guy's only played two matches, and, you know, both of them look terrible this year. So I think it, it is definitely a much bigger leap to say, you know, he's going to have a great Madrid performance. Now, yes, I, I do think that uh, it would not surprise me, right, if he came out and dominated, because for the last four years we've said, oh, Rafa, this is the year to bet against in a Roland Garros, and it just never is. But I do think that uh, this is definitely, I mean, it, look, as the years go on, the probability gets higher that Rafa's going to lose at Roland Garros, and then he's going to, uh, you know, just fall off, fall off a cliff at this point for, you know, w with his ability. But anyway, what I would say about Alcaraz, the storyline that I'm going to watch, and I'm curious what everyone else. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that because no one else is allowed to talk. It's just me time. I can say whatever I want, and Bruce can <laughs> have to sit there and just listen to it, and he can't respond. Um, so one of the storylines that I, I'm going to be watching Clay season with Alcaraz is his is hold, holding, right, his serving. Like I think 
that was the biggest thing to me in the Rio run when he ended up uh, losing in the Rio final. And I don't know if yeah. it was injury related or what it was, but he could not hold serve to save his life. And that obviously changed in a drastic way when he got the sunshine double that, I mean, it was a completely different story, but you know, perhaps there's something to be said for on clay. Uh, we even saw it last year as well when he went, when he was in Rio, like, I just feel like there are times where, on a clay court, Carlos Alcaraz is not really able to dominate quite as much as he would like to on serve. Now, that's been sort of a theme early in his career on all surfaces, but it definitely unearthed itself in Rio. And I was making a lot of money live betting breaks in that Fanini match, in the Jari match, wow. like, uh, it, it, because he was just breaking himself, right? It, it was, you know, he was just not the same guy, uh, just getting himself into love 30s and then just going for a ridiculous winner, which, you know, he can't hit those, but, um, you know, just falling out of it. So I think that's something I'll be watching. I'm, de- I'm definitely going to tentatively uh, be, you know, maybe dipping my toes into the water on some Alcaraz break markets. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's that was the only thing, really, that's going to hold him back from winning Roland Garros and Minus. I, th- I think I'm going to I'm going to let you put a period on it there, because I think the biggest thing you said is hold off or, or the biggest thing for, I think, this time of the season is we just get into the European clay. Maybe lower the unit size. Don't don't expect to know everything uh, right off. And and maybe when you find somebody who does look really comfortable on the clay, like like Azverev this week is looking good, then you can maybe look for good opportunities, good lines, good uh, you know whether it be just uh, a good money line or get in live picking breaks like you're saying. Um, but just be careful. I said that in the chat earlier. I think it's just. Let's not assume we know everything one week into this ter- these tournaments. I think by next week, and especially Madrid, hopefully we'll maybe have some players who are like, okay, that guy looked like he really had his, instead of sea legs, clay legs under him. Mm-hmm. Um, Monte Carlo quarterfinals. This is one possible iteration. Uh, as you see, Alexander Zverev, if he were to advance, that match is still in progress. Or it could be Daniel Medvedev. Mm-hmm. But um, Medvedev, don't jinx me. <laughs> I would love to see Medvedev win. Literally, All right, as you um, put that graphic up, Medvedev won a point to get to the three all from 15 so. um, Zach, let's start with you. Uh, you can go Rublev, Struff if you want, but Fritz Sitsipas, I know you got a thought of that match, please. Yeah, that's the only match I have right now. I have Sitsipas minus two and a half games. I know that we were just talking about, you know, conditioning on these clay courts. You know, he's only played like two hours at this tournament so far. And it also happens to be probably his best event. I mean, he's won it twice. And I just don't think that I – don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Fritz is there on clay. And I think that this should be not an easy win, but I do see, you know, maybe a lopsided set where the cover makes, you know, sense there. And just uh, that minus 135 is what you were able to get this at earlier. And we're – minus 145 now. Yeah, we're seeing that number go up or even the, the games go up. It's, it's, I've seen a minus three and a half games on FanDuel. So – Looks like um, people agree with you out there. You guys have any thoughts? I think uh, uh, Gruskin, you also like this one. Yeah, that was uh, if I have thoughts, that was my exact thought. I need to see Fritz move better in his corners. Like he got away with it against Stan, but Tsitsipas is the better version of Stan. I'd argue the serve, the first forehand for Tsitsipas as effective as anyone's in the game right now. Liked Tsitsipas tomorrow. I also just think big picture, it's week one, so you don't move the chips all in on anyone. I yeah. will match the big blind on Yannick Sinner. I feel good about Sinner's prospects this clay court season. Was great through the first third. I'll take him tomorrow as well. I'm going to get that line for us right now. And, I don't and think do it's so. out yet. To... 
No, here it's it is. Uh, FanDuel has it minus 290 center to plus 235 Musetti. I mean, uh, our friend Brett Connors would tell you, and I, I know some of you agree, like after a big win like that for Musetti, don't you generally fade the next day, especially against center? But that's why it's priced in that way. Dude, what are your is thoughts the, on is center the total Musetti? 21 and a half? Is that, am I seeing that right? I'll get it to you right now, but I know you like the over. Well, I'm telling not you, anymore. Connors I and I – Little sinner Sitsi Pass money line parlay. Come on now. 21 and a half at even money, yeah. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, I don't like that. So I was looking through the I mean, obviously Sinner has sort of fault. Like I actually used to think once upon a time play was Sinner's best surface. I don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, I mean it's pretty obvious, but um, you know, I mean their their meetings have been fairly close. Musetti uh in, in uh, like quite I think they played Pre-qualification, they called it for Rome in 2019, like qualifying for qualifying that he won in three sets. It is, yeah, it is difficult for me to really, I mean, look, I just, I feel like an all-Italian match, we saw it with Sinner and Fanini last year. Um, I, I just think that it lends itself to a longer, like a, a, a tense match, something where Sinner maybe does it takes a little time for him to get comfortable. These guys know each other well, obviously, and, and Clay is not Sinner's best surface, but I, 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 21 and a half is a little high for me just because when you think about the way that what this did you think it would be, up, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty low. I was actually thinking I, 19 and a half, to be honest, because center's been just mowing guys down and Musetti wow. uh, beat Luca Nardi, but that was it. Like, I mean, he, he's been terrible all year. So I, I, I'm actually kind of surprised that odds makers are really ready to buy back in on Musetti this quickly. But, you know, I also think it, it, it does make sense because these guys have played, like I said, closer matches. Uh, when you play a fellow countryman and a match like this, it's going to be big. But yeah, also this, the bigger thing here, though, is I'm incredibly concerned about Lorenzo Musetti holding onto his serve because he obviously was broken so many times by Djokovic today. And I just highlighted that I loved the Yannick Center return of serve, though. I'm actually a little skittish on that one. But I maybe it's just a center city boss money line parlay for me. Maybe that's what it is. And also, uh, Zverev, if he does hold on here, which it's looking good, yeah. well, it's up for uh, I, I would love him against Holgaruna. That's probably going to be my bet for the day. Zverev serving for the match up 5-4 in that second set. So that's why I put his board up. So he potentially would play Holger Runa, mm. who people were wanting to see how he looked. I, I think, Zach, did you have a bet against Runa earlier this week? Yeah, I thought the team was going to win a set in that match. And the, the weird thing, I guess, is that I didn't think the team looked very bad there. I thought that Runa just looked really good. Um, So that's an interesting – we'll see what that line looks like. Um. I'm thinking Musetti, three-hour match today against Djokovic. Big emotional win for him. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, see that, but then I mean, why is the number 21 and a half? That's the, that, that's, that is the question. Well, Sinner went three today. Seven, five, six, four gets you there. That's, yeah, Sinner went three those. with Hercot. I just like his pace to the Musetti forehand. I watched Sinner beat Alcaraz in the Umag final on clay last year. I think he, I don't think clay's his best surface. I just think Yannick Sinner's elite on every surface. I think Sinner gets him tomorrow as well. Gruskin, uh, I know you got to get going because you got to call some college tennis. I want to give you an opportunity for final thoughts. Uh, anything, whether you're seeing on these guys all the way through the weekend on the board you're looking at here, or any thoughts on next week? Great. Great lineup on Tennis Channel next week with Barcelona is a good event. But the women in Stuttgart, that's one of my favorite mm -hmm. events of the year. All of the women show up. We're going to see Iga Svantec back in action. Gruskin, final thoughts. I agree. I think indoor clay is an underutilized thing we should see more of. I would say 
plugs, Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I spoke with Jan Leonard Struve for like 20 minutes a couple weeks ago. You can go hear that on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network if you want to hear where this success is coming from. The big success I'm looking for is from Iga Sviantek. She was undefeated on the clay courts last season, and she looked untouchable. And right now, I think she's minus 115 to win the French Open. That's like getting Apple at the beginning. Let's push in the chips. Let Again, I need to see someone beat Iga before I believe it's possible. That's the thing I'm looking for in Stuttgart. That's the biggest storyline on the WTA Tour. Can anyone come with even, you know, within one level of Iga Sviantek on clay? Last year, the answer was no. We'll see what the case is this year. I had a note on that, by the way, just because I, I wrote it down too. It's like if Sviantek was remotely healthy, we'd see her at, at least minus 200. So the price is great if you trust, you know, that she's going to be healthy. 14. That's, that's Rafa-esque. It really yeah, I is. I think you should. I think you should trust her. I mean, look, yeah. exactly. It's exactly the same pattern with Rafa. It's like just want to. You always got to take advantage of this while you can because I, she's going to win a lot. Yeah. I mean, assuming she, I, I, I'm not worried about her health at all. She did not lose a match on clay last year until some small event in Warsaw in July. She yeah. swept Madrid, Rome, Roland Garros. I mean, as the kids like to say, she is a wagon. So why not jump on and ride that thing all the way to 100%. where we like to go, that pot of gold. Um, jump off if you have to, Gruskin. Let's hear I, from Kenny. I do. Uh, Thank you, as always, guys. Very good love to see you. Odds oh, in our favor. Catch, yeah. Catch Alex Gruskin's work all over crackedrackets.com, uh, and he'll be back on T2 uh, in, in a couple months to do some calling for us. Deucey, I want to give you a chance, man. Final thoughts, anything you're looking at, whether it's the guys this weekend in Monte Carlo, the women next week in Stuttgart, what do you got? Thank you. Yeah, no, actually, what I wrote, what I wrote down here, and, and far be it for me to trust a French player to win the French Open because I will never do that in my life. Uh, maybe if Arthur Fees realizes his potential, maybe he could do it, but it's never a good idea. But with that said, I do expect some, some winnings from Carolina Garcia. I think that this is her time of year. I think she has a game that's tailored for clay. She was 11 and three on clay last year, uh, 17 and eight this year, obviously. Arthur Fies is French. Carolina Garcia <laughs> is French. Uh, and we saw Garcia was one of the hottest players on tour, as you just said, a wagon at the end of the year last year. I think she can regain some of that magic here as we hit the dirt. I think, like I said, I love her game on clay. I'm looking forward to watching her and betting her. Also, Kaya Huvan. There's a lot of these, you know, a lot of these women that we just kind of forget about all year that just really pop up into our lives in these clay court tournaments. So I'm looking forward to buying back in on some of those names. But yeah, for the men, I mean, like I said, I I, I do feel that this could be a good clay season for Taylor Fritz. I think he's ready to take that next step. I know Zico disagrees. He does brick a lot of volleys. That hurts him. You know, you got to have good feel on the surface. But uh, he, he also can create angles. He has finishing power. And I, I, I think that he can really impress. I mean, he made the final eight here, and it didn't really feel like an accomplishment. And I think that says it all. I think that it, this is sort of what we expect from Taylor Fritz now. And I okay. think one of these events, he's going to make the semis. Um, quick quick thought uh, on your Caroline Garcia. That is the last woman to beat uh, Iga Svantec on clay. She did it in that Warsaw event last July, three sets. Um, and you're right, that was just a precursor to a red-hot fall. Haven't seen it continue here this year uh, so far in 23, but I'm a big Garcia fan. She won me a lot of money uh, last year. Zico, take us home, my friend. No, I mean, we kind of just spoke about it. We glossed over it a little, but I am interested in seeing Dominic team over these next few weeks. I don't think he has enough time to get back to the form he was in 
you know, where he could potentially win the French Open. But he looked so much better against Runa the other day than when I saw him at the Australian Open. I mean, that was some of the worst tennis I've seen from him ever. And I just think that he's getting there. The shots look like, you know, there's a little bit more power, a little more aggressiveness to him. I think that he's getting there. And I'm hoping that, you know, he'll be a little bit competitive. I mean, the odds say that he's got a shot. All right. Um, guys, thanks again for joining us. This is just week one of, of European clay. We're going to look to do at least one episode per week, all the way through the road to Roland Garros. Let me put that up. That is what tennis channel likes to refer to this time of the year, the road to Roland Garros, which uh, is really tennis channels, kind of uh, our Super Bowl, so to speak, because we've got all the coverage from, from uh, Paris, first ball to last ball. We'll have a huge team there. It's just a, a big, big event for us. But clay court season, man, it's unique. It's fun. The tennis is, is a little different. As as I said earlier, lower your unit size until you're really sure what you're seeing is what you're seeing out of a guy. I mean, as we were finishing up this show, Medvedev got another break. There have been at least six breaks in this match after 15 breaks in the previous in match set. on this court. In a set. <laughs> yeah. So Crazy. it's uh, it, it's just – Maybe betting breaks is the way to go because uh, these guys just are not holding with their usual regularity. Um, but uh, this has been Tennis Bets Live. Uh, watching it on YouTube, watching it on Facebook, watching it on Twitter. Uh, and also it's going to be on podcast form. So uh, keep an eye out for us. And if you don't follow at Tennis Bets, jump on there because uh, we'll have more content uh, almost every day. So thank you again, Tennis Bets Live. Appreciate a couple guys. Very active in the, the chat. Uh, Ghost of Garolitis is always fun. Uh, he's got one comment here we'll put up. Make Deucey clean the drains before you let him out of the meat locker. Not sure what that means, but <laughs> this guy's been pretty funny. Him and Richard Spring have been going at it back and forth in a, hopefully a very uh, fun uh, way. You guys uh, are great. Uh, once again, welcome to clay court season. This has been, yeah, hang on. This has been Tennis Bets Live.